Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When John the Baptist heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. The Apostle James writes, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've done any gardening at all, you know that some of what you need to do as a gardener is to be patient. To wait. To allow the seed to do its thing. To trust the soil, trust the sunshine, trust the rain, and wait. But I also know that if you're like me and you've done any gardening at all, sometimes it's hard to wait. We want to get in there, put some fertilizer on, scratch around on the roots, make things happen. But the best thing to do is to wait. Since I was on sabbatical this past summer, I didn't do my full garden. Usually I have lots of different tomatoes and squashes. Is it squash eye? Is that the plural of squash? Squash eye? And beets and carrots and parsnips and peppers, all manner of vegetables. But this year, I knew that I wouldn't be around to tend to it. So I just went down in the basement and I rooted around. And I found a bunch of old seed bags here and there. And I decided, well, whatever's there, I'm going to go out and I'm going to plant. So I did so. Some of the seeds were like 10 or 12 years old. But to my amazement, when they put them in the ground, many of them came up. Not all of them, but many of them came up. But then, because I had planted so many of them, I needed to do what maybe is the gardener's most horrible task, and that is to thin out the seedlings. And you have to wait till the sprouts get to a certain point and pull them out. And no gardener likes to inflict homicide on his or her plants. But waiting is key. Patience. At the right day, if you watch your seedlings, there will come a moment when they're strong enough to survive their neighbors being pulled up right next to them. 
If you do it too early, you'll hurt the roots of the plants you want to grow. And if you wait too long, you just have a mess. So timing is everything. You have to pull them at the perfect tender moment. It's Advent in the church, and timing is everything. Jesus plans once again to come into our lives and to visit us with his love and mercy and peace, but we have to wait for him so that he will catch us at the right moment. In the church, that means four weeks of waiting and watching and hoping and praying. Four weeks, 28 days, 672 hours, 40,320 seconds, so we don't just go tumbling, crashing, and smashing into our Lord's arrival. Be patient, is the advice from James. Wait, relax, trust that our Lord is on his way. I know that every family has different traditions when it comes to opening up Christmas presents. Some open things on Christmas Eve. Some open gifts only on Christmas morning. Some have everyone open their gifts at once. Some wait while each person opens their gifts. In my family, we were Christmas morning gift openers. On Christmas Eve, we were not allowed to touch or shake or pick up any present. We had to wait to be patient. And on Christmas morning, then, we also had to wait for every person to open their gift. Then thank the gift giver and ooh and awe over it for a period of time. And then it was my mother's job to give the holy signal for the next person to open a gift. As a child, I have to say, this was pure torture. <laughs> I even find it a little irritating as an adult, to be honest. Why not just have a free-for-all? Let everyone open their gifts and then later say what they got. No, in my family, we had to go one by one by one. In some ways, I suppose that's a more adventish way to open gifts. Taking time, be patient as others are opening their gifts, and acting as if you're really enjoying the four and a half hours it takes to open up all the gifts. Like that's the true meaning of Christmas, huh? Most of us are not very good with patience and waiting. Whether it's the drive-through at the bank or the checkout line at the grocery store, we want to move along, get on to the next thing in our lives, not wait. I have a brother who is learning to wait in a new way. His name is Tom, and his cancer has reoccurred. He's just 11 months older than I am. And last week, this is what he wrote. I'm scheduled to go in the hospital on Christmas Eve morning, and will be in the hospital for two to four weeks. The process of harvesting my stem cells will begin then. The roughest time will be when they hit me with chemo, which is scheduled for Christmas Day through December 30th. And then the stem cells are injected back into me on New Year's Eve. So I get to start the new year with cleaned stem cells, something I never thought I'd ask Santa for. But I'm going to be patient and hopeful and wait for healing.
That's a tough kind of waiting. Waiting for healing and results and some break from these cells that are attacking his body. But he is waiting and trying to be patient. Waiting is what the church has always done during the Advent season. And why does the church keep Advent? Why do we force you to wait? No, it's not a clergy conspiracy. There's a point behind it. In fact, I think there are seven, several reasons that we wait during Advent. First of all, it means we care about what's coming. That's why we wait for it. Secondly, it means that what's coming is worth the wait. And finally, Advent means adding some discipline to our lives. And it's no accident that the word discipline and disciple are from the same root. So first, to wait in Advent means we care about what's coming. We set aside time to prepare for what's ahead. It is intentional time in which we reread the ancient prophecies, we listen to John the Baptist, and infuse meaning into what's ahead. Secondly, what's coming is worth the wait. And we're not just talking about the birth of a baby in the manger, but the dawning of the salvation of the whole world. I love at the beginning of a funeral service here at Prince of Peace, when I invite the congregation to stand and I'm standing back there, and I say to those gathered to mourn the loss of someone they love, the first words I say are, Welcome in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. That is the truth by which we live, that Christ is coming. Finally, in Advent, we wait to add some discipline to our lives. We are disciples. We are to study, learn, and discover what the coming of all this love and mercy and blessing can mean for a world that can be so dark and so divisive. It's Advent. We're here to mark what's ahead with the discipline and confidence that the world as we know it will suddenly be changed by the love of God in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing. It doesn't mean everyone we love will never face difficulties or disease. It certainly doesn't mean that political parties will ever agree on anything. But it does mean that God will promise to be with us. One of the most important ways that we mark this time in the church is with the lighting of the Advent wreath. You may notice that someone donated anonymously a new wreath for this year. I think it's beautiful. But if you know me, you know I'm sort of a stickler about Advent wreaths and actual candles. You know, many churches these days have these oil-filled candles that always are the same height. And you add oil into them. You don't have to buy one new every year. Uh, they don't spill wax. They're clean. You just fill them up. They're ready to go. But here's the thing. Oil-filled candles that do not burn down do not tell time. Wax candles not only give us light, but they tell us the story that time is elapsing. They burn down, getting lower as we get closer to the advent of our God. It's Advent. A time that we have in the church to try to be patient and to wait. To wait 
like a good farmer. To wait like a family, opening presents one at a time. To wait like a person looking for a cure for cancer. To wait like a church lighting candles. To wait like a world in need of a Savior. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.